another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, from the Pacific Northwest Remote Studios is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome back for another week of uh, baseball stuff. Hey, thanks. I'm actually doing the show from on top of the Space Needle. So mm-hmm. if you hear any wind blowing or planes, that's, that's just my uh, noise cancellation not working. All right. So, Mark, we've got a, a good show. We've got uh, it's just you and me this week. We've got some good stuff to talk about. A redemption story of sort that made it to the major leagues before falling back on hard times. We're going to talk about Ron LaFleur later today. Let us, before we get to that, let us begin, though, with it's always important to warm up, stretch out. You don't want to go into you don't want to go into the main part of the show cold. So let's get into our BP segment, first of all. And I wanted to, Mark, I wanted to ask you some questions. We're, we're pretty deep into the playoffs now. We're into the uh, the championship series Sands the A's, unfortunately. Sands the Yankees, which I don't think we'll shed any tears over. Sands the Padres, which is too bad. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions because let's let's assume that next year we start on time baseball-wise. Okay. We had a lot of different rules this year. Uh, Some because of the pandemic. Others were going to be implemented anyway. I wanted to ask you. Of all the new rules that happened this year, which one would you keep? Which ones? You know, you know, you could you can do more than one, but I wanted to go over them first of all. So we had the three batter minimum for relief pitchers. That was going to happen regardless. We've got the runner starting on second in extra innings during the regular season only. We've got the seven inning double headers. We've got the expanded. It, it was it was going to be twenty six this year. They eventually kept it to twenty eight. For the for the season, or we've also got the expanded playoffs. Which uh, which of those would you like to see, or maybe you don't want any of them next year? What what are your thoughts? The only one I really truly dislike is the runner on second one. Uh, I like the three batter minimum. Some people say it takes a little strategy out of the game. I think it adds a little bit. You got to really plan ahead. Mm-hmm. I do like the uh, September call up rule that they're going to implement. Where it's just going to be two players. Yeah, so you have, it would be a 28-man roster essentially in September. Yeah. You've got 26, but you can swap those two players out every day. I like that rule. Oh, and, and of course the DH in, in both leagues, which... Oh, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I hate to happen. say it, but it's going to have to. I don't hate and, to say it. I, I, I've found myself watching more National League ball just simply because there's DHs. Yeah, you know what? I haven't really been that introspective, but that may be why I've been watching so much <laughs> National League ball. <laughs> I just assume have. I mean, I've always been a DH fan. Uh, I'm not a fan of the seven inning doubleheaders. There were a lot of doubleheaders this year because there had there, to be. There were. And yeah, so exactly. They, ma- maybe that maybe that poisoned the well a little bit for me. You know, especially the A's. They had like four yeah. doubleheaders in a week. I watched yeah. them all, and I was like, oh, I just watched a doubleheader, and it's over already. Plus, yeah. the A's are a late inning team. They they tend to score runs later in the game. But <laughs> when you're when you're minusing two innings, you, you're taking away six outs for them to get those runs. I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah, I I didn't mind it for this year because I I get it. And I understand we had to make some accommodations in order to to do so. Um, but I don't want to see it come back. No, I I don't want that. I. Like I said before, the the runner on second for extra innings was exciting as long as my team was not involved. I would I would flip to a random game if I saw it was going to the tenth inning just to just to watch it, just to see how it played out. Yeah, as a baseball fan, I'm not sure I need that. I actually though I really like the 28 man roster. Yeah, me too. I mean, I guess it 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 kind of takes away some strategy because you've got a full hand just about all the time. Yeah, I, I kind of liked it, and I, I'm sure the players' union would certainly oh, okay yeah. it. I'm sure they're fond of it. Yeah, just like I'm sure the players' union is fine with the DH in both leagues because that'll sure. expand careers. The expanded it, playoffs, yeah. I am 100 percent against. No way, don't okay. want to see it. Yeah, I think it's here to stay, man. It's too much. There's a lot of money involved. And plus, you got two teams that were under 500. Again, short season, but two teams under 500 making the playoffs. One of which is now in the the ALCS as we speak. Yes, which is uh, interesting. All right, 
We'll see. We'll see what uh, what comes about next season. I'm sure we'll talk about it as things are announced. I'm the one person that you know that's rooting for the Astros, by the way. I think you're the one person outside of Houston. I think so, too. <laughs> it's not a popular team to like right now, but hey, man, I got to stick by my team. Yeah, the, the Rays are my favorite team in baseball right now. Very fun to watch. So I just I've got one quick thing before we get into debuts this week, and it's because we've again just more Hall of Famers have been passing away recently. It's been a real sad time in terms of baseball. Greats seem to be passing, and wanted to talk quickly about. We've talked about Bob Gibson a ton on this show. He's one of your favorite guys. You've you've spoken with Ever. him. Yes. Just uh, he's one of those one of those guys that's very interesting, very influential. He was dominant for a not a real long time, but he was real dominant for a couple of seasons. So, you know, we've talked about the rule change that he influenced, and we've even talked about this. Uh, I'm not sure we've we've gone the whole way into this story, so I'm just going to make it quick. But we talked about the very last pitch Bob Gibson ever threw. It was a grand slam given up to Pete Lecoq. That's right. Pete Lecoq played for nine years, mostly for the Cubs and then four years for the Royals. But Pete Lecoq, a 257 career hitter with only 27 home runs. Hmm. So not a not not a power hitter by by any means. And and obviously Bob Gibson wasn't happy to give up a grand slam to anybody, but somebody of a Pete Lecoq stature did not I'm sit sure. well. This I don't know if we've talked about this, and if we have, I it, it escaped me. So I, I wanted to mention it. That ten years after retiring, Bob Gibson faced Pete Lecoq at an old timers game at Wrigley Field. So it's the first time, obviously, he retired after that Grand Slam. First pitch, he nails him. <laughs> <laughs> ten years he's been waiting to ten do that. Ten years he's been waiting <laughs> to get a little retribution, and he plunked him. And it wasn't, you know, just a light toss curveball. He was, it wasn't ninety miles per hour, but he put a little something behind it. Just to, that's pretty funny. That's that's Bob Gibson. Retribution. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention that because, of course, we've lost Bob Gibson recently, Whitey Ford in the last week, you know, Lou Brock recently. I am a very big uh, Whitey Ford fan, mostly because he fought in the Korean War at the same time as my dad did. He was he was some he was a a great pitcher and a, a great American. I think I saw somebody say, let's get all living Hall of Famers and wrap them in bubble wrap because they seem to. No kidding, man. I'm not, I don't want to talk about Jim Palmer or Steve Carlton, okay? Yeah, we're never mentioning Ricky Henderson again on this show, ever. <laughs> That's right. That is until we get to the trivia question this week because <laughs> it's, it's Ricky related. But for right. a little while. Yeah, so, all right. Uh, normally at this point, we do our debut segment. Of course, we are getting later and later into October, which is the playoffs. Not many people made their debut on October 13th. There were a couple, nobody of note. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about a couple of events that happened on this day in baseball history that were interesting. The first one I wanted to talk about took place in 1893. So Mark, you are just graduating college at this point. That's right. Yeah, I was uh, walking out of uh, Harvard. Yeah. Harvard Community College, yes. Yeah, no, it's not the Harvard. Yeah, no, no, not the Harvard. Uh, but this involves a name that I have used. I've known of. I've known of this player for twenty plus years, and I always use his name when I need a generic baseball name. Today is the birthday in eighteen ninety three of Pickles Dillhofer. Oh, the great Pickles Dillhofer. Full name, William Martin Dillhofer. I think you can probably guess how he got the nickname Pickles with the last yeah, name uh, Dillhofer. Well, William Martin is automatically translated to Pickle. pickle. <laughs> well, that's essentially Billy Martin, William Martin. Yeah, <laughs> Billy, he was actually Pickles. <laughs> uh, what is really unique, though, about Pickles Dillhofer is that uh, he made his big league debut in 1917 for the Chicago Cubs. He only appeared in 42 games, only had 95 at-bats, and ended up hitting 126. In fact, his slash line was 126, 144, 158. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is the dead ball era, and that's still not good. He was traded after his uh, after his rookie year. He was traded, in fact, for Grover Cleveland Alexander. What? <laughs> Pickles Dillhofer for Grover Cleveland Alexander? Yeah, now it wasn't straight up. Okay. The the Cubs also sent uh, Mike Pendergrast and $55,000 to the Phillies for Pete Alexander and Bill Killifer. Now, I haven't looked at Bill Killifer's numbers. Uh, He pitched 13 years, only four years with the Cubs, and he was in his 30s already. Not uh, not much to talk about there, but I just want to <laughs> pickles Dillhofer for uh, Grover Cleveland Alexander, and I just want to look at the numbers the the four previous seasons that Alexander had pitched he had won thirty thirty three thirty one and twenty seven games to lead the league all four years wow. with those numbers. Not Doyle Alexander. No, not Doyle Alexander. But this is not Pete Alexander. At the end of his career, this is peak Grover Cleveland Alexander. Yeah. He had gone 190 and 88 in his career up till this point. He leads the league every year in ERA just about. Complete games, shutouts, innings pitched, strikeouts. I mean, he is, there's no Cy Young award at this point. But if there was, he would have won it probably five or six times out of the eight years of, of his career at this point. And they're like, hey, well, we'll yeah, give you a Pickles Dillhofer. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did not have anybody that was named after a condiment yet. So. <laughs> they had a big promotion ready to go. They're like, we got to get Dillhofer. We've got Vlasic is going to sign on as a big sponsor. <laughs> if, right. if we just get Pickles Dillhofer. Pickles only stayed in Philadelphia for one season. He appeared in eight games and hit 091. Oh, man. Well, Fantastic. <laughs> Pickles better than I could have done. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So Pickles then went on to St. Louis for three years. He only played five years in the bigs. Again, the slash line, 223, 266, 283. Not good. He was a a catcher. Yeah, he was a catcher. No home runs in his career. And and 10 triples, though, and 16 stolen or uh, 16 doubles. I think that has got to be one of the most lopsided trades. But uh, why are you trading somebody that in the last four years has averaged 30 wins and lead the league in every category for Pickles Dillhofer? Yeah, I, I don't know. Wasn't there a player named Ketchup Heinzhofer? <laughs> probably. He's not in the Almanac, but it probably was. Yeah, he's not on baseball reference. As World War I approached, Pickles chose to enlist rather than wait to be drafted. That ended his baseball career, and this is a quote from him, quote, I'm happy to say that I did not take a job at a munitions factory or a shipyard or something that would have made me exempt, end quote. We've talked about players that have done that. If you worked in a factory like that, creating stuff for the war, you wouldn't get drafted. But he was a true patriot, and he valued his service, and later became a member of the American Legion as well. So Pickles Dillhofer, born today. That's awesome. Got one more here. 1862, Jim Creighton, 1862. This is this is just, you were probably just finishing junior high. Yeah. But uh, Jim Creighton of the Brooklyn Excelsiors, which was the dominant team of this era. This is considered the amateur era of Major League Baseball, of professional okay. baseball. Yeah. He came to the plate for the fourth time in a game. He had already doubled on his previous three at-bats, so he was having a good day at the plate. Adding to his big day, he homered on his fourth at-bat. Over-the-wall home run. Not a common thing at this point. Right. In fact, he'd swung so hard at the ball that his belt broke. And he circled the bases, kind of holding his belt because it was broken. And as he touched home, he complained about pain in his stomach. Well, it turned out that he had created so much torque swinging the bat that he had actually suffered a ruptured abdominal hernia. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. He died four days later. No way. That is swinging the bat too hard. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's it's just going to kill you. Slow it down. <laughs> yeah. uh, MLB official historian Jim Thorne 
says this about Creighton, quote, he was baseball's first hero and the most important player not inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, end quote. Hmm. There is, if you look Jim Creighton up on Baseball Reference, you will find no stats because, again, this was before these guys were considered professional. This is the amateur era of baseball. But I thought that was really interesting. He was probably you know, the first big player in baseball, but just not much about him because it just, it was amateur. Obviously there's no stats or records, not a lot of written accounts of, of stuff from there. Right. Difficult to get information from that era, but uh, interesting player. He might be the next player I profile because he was also a pitcher as well as a second baseman. And this is when pitchers would had to pitch underhand and they had to keep their arm and their wrist straight and they'd usually just lob it. But he put some mustard on it and had some movement. By the way, you brought up another condiment. <laughs> so if you're playing the two strike noise drinking game this week, it is anything to do. Anything you can put on a hot dog, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, Mark, let's get into our trivia segment. I asked you a question last week. I promised you that you nor any of our listeners were going to get it because the week before was another kind of easy one. We had a couple of listeners uh, write in and, and give give us the answer. They were correct. And I, I swore up and down, nobody is going to get this answer. And I did not get a single response with the full answer. Uh, we did wow. get, we did, uh, we did have one listener that, uh, that named two of the three, which I, it was all I was expecting. My question was this, that Willie Mays retired in 1973 as a member of the New York Mets. In his rookie season, Willie wore the number 14 before moving to the iconic 24 that he wore with the Giants and then later with the Mets. Since his retirement, only three other players had ever worn number 24 for the Mets. It's not been officially retired by the team. It's just kind of a special number and i ask you to name me those three mets two of them should be are are answerable and if you don't get them and when i tell you you'll be like oh yes of course nobody has gotten the third person and i knew nobody would do you have any idea who the first two are no i'm completely lost on this one all right so the first one is ricky henderson Uh aha i mean he played for the Mets. He wore number 24. That one, that. that one's an easy one. The second one is a current member of the Mets. He wore number 24 when he was with the Yankees. He wore number 22 when he was with the Mariners because 24 is retired in the Mariners organization. And now he's on the Mets and he's resorted to number 24. Does that help you out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you just blacked out Robinson Cano's entire career at the Mariners, <laughs> forgotten that he exists. I, I have. I have tried to I've tried to forget that. <laughs> so Robinson Cano is, is currently Robbie wearing Cano. it for the Mets. Okay. Okay. The third player of which I knew nobody was going to get. He uh, he appeared for the Mets in um, nineteen ninety. And then again in 1991, when he came up in 1990, he was given the number 24 for some reason for Mr. Kelvin Torve. Torve? Torve? T-O-R-V-E. There is no pronunciation guide here for him on Baseball Reference, so I don't know if it's Torve or Torve or... I have no idea. He, he could be French. I don't know. He's listed as a pinch hitter first baseman. He was uh, selected in the second round by the Giants out of Oral Roberts University. He came up with the uh, Minnesota Twins in 1988. He hit one. These are Pickle Dillhofer-esque uh, a slash line of 188, 235, <laughs> and 375. He had a home run, so he beat Pickles. But he only played for three years. In that 1990 season where he wore number 24, he only appeared in 20 games. Then the next year, he only appeared in 10 games, but he wore number 39. They're like, who in the world gave him that number? <laughs> like, <laughs> Get him number 39, please. Who was assigned to handing out the numbers? Uh, the clubhouse 24 guy. Is a, 24 is a very special number. Yeah, the equipment yeah. manager was smoking something there. But he, he only wore that 24 for, for 20 games. 
And then he was uh, he was given number 39. But he only played for three years in the big leagues, 42 games. He did have that one home run, four doubles. Not not much to, to really mention. For him to have worn number 24 is just odd. He's a trivia question. Yeah, and a very hard one. Nobody got yeah. it. Yes, very difficult. All right, so, well, there, I mentioned Ricky Henderson there, and now Ricky Henderson's going to come into play for our trivia question for next week. Okay. And I don't think anybody's going to get this one without looking it up either. Ricky, obviously, stole a lot of bases. We know that. Uh, Ricky stole the most against Jim Sunberg, 54 stolen bases. Ernie Witt, 48 stolen bases. (laughs) Ricky had against him. And I know Ernie Witt was frustrated. Carlton Fisk was 43. Butch Weiniger and Rick Dempsey, 37. Your buddy Brian Harper, 36. Lance mm-hmm. Parrish, 36. And it goes on and on and on. But what I wanted to talk about was catchers who had good success against Ricky Henderson. Ricky was mm-hmm. never 0 for 3 or worse against any catcher. There were only two catchers that threw Ricky Henderson out both times he attempted to run on them. So only two catchers were ever two for two in throwing Ricky Henderson out. Can you name me those two catchers? Absolutely not. Yeah, I know you can't. (laughs) (laughs) That is a trivia question. If anybody can, can figure out who was two for two, there are two catchers. Nobody ever... Nobody ever got him three for three or better. I mean, there's some guys that had some decent percentages, but nobody ever went three for three in throwing Ricky Henderson out. Two catchers went two for two. Name me the two catchers who threw Ricky Henderson out both times. All right, so that's your trivia question. We'll give you the answer next week. All right, ground crew is going to come out and do their things, and we are going to get set for the first pitch and get this game underway. And as I mentioned this week, it is on me, and I'm going to talk about Ron LaFleur, somebody that we had talked about in the past just in when talking about stolen bases. And I know Ron LaFleur was fast, but I knew nothing about Ron LaFleur other than he had led the league in stolen bases. Ron LaFleur grew up in a poor part of Detroit in the 1950s. His childhood, not exactly what you would call ideal. His family was poor. He lived in a very rough neighborhood. And he got caught up in using drugs and committing petty crimes pretty early in his life. This culminated in 1970 when he and two buddies robbed a bar. Rob held a shotgun as his buddies rifled through a register and made off with any money that was there. They were easily caught as uh, they were doing this in their local neighborhood and everybody knew who they were. So they were caught and they were sentenced to five to 15 years in prison. That's tough. Yeah. In prison, LaFleur experienced his first foray into organized baseball of any sort. I am not exactly sure how you judge talent in a prison baseball league. But he was judged and deemed good enough that a fellow inmate, Jimmy Carala, Carala, I'm not sure, I think it's Italian, I'm not pronouncing it great, who was serving a sentence for extortion, like his father, who also had spent a lot of time in jail because he was connected to the Detroit mob. Well, uh, Jimmy used his connections to contact Jimmy Butasakaris, who, again, I am not pronouncing well. But this Jimmy was the owner of the Lindell Athletic Club, which was a well-known bar where Detroit athletes were known to hang out. I might also mention here that it was also a very popular place for local gangsters to hang out. Anytime you have gangsters and professional athletes hanging out in the same uh, bar, no good's probably going to come out of it. Yeah, that's, that's a, that could get ugly. So remember when we talked about Billy Martin several episodes ago, and I told you that he managed the Tigers for a little bit? Well, yes. it just happened to be right at this time when Ron LaFleur was in jail. Who do you think people that might own a bar that has connections with the mob and who might be scouting the prison baseball league for talent, uh, who do you think they might contact in Detroit at this point? <laughs> or have... <laughs> Have the ability to contact even. Well, of course, it's going to be Billy Martin because that's kind of what Billy did. Uh, LaFleur was paroled in June and within 24 hours of his release, he was on the field trying out for the Tigers. 
Wow. His speed and athleticism wowed the club, and they signed him within a week. Ron spent little time in the minor leagues, starting in single A in 1973, part of 1974 in triple A, and then bam, he is in the big leagues to fill in for an injured Mickey Stanley in center field. Ron was still learning how to play baseball at this point. Like, Like I said, prison was the first time he learned how to play baseball in the prison league. So in the big leagues, he's, he's learning how to play, essentially. His hitting was average to below average. His speed, though, was off the charts. And his defense was, I don't even think you could find the charts to see how off the charts he was. He was not a good defensive center fielder. <laughs> yeah. But he kept improving each year. And eventually, by 1976, he was an all-star for the Detroit Tigers. I, to wow. learn the game in the big leagues and become an all-star is incredible. That year, LaFleur also had a 30-game hitting streak, so his hitting also came around. He shared the spotlight that season with a rookie, Mark Fidrich, who he became good friends with, in kind of an opposite-to-tract kind of thing. Yeah, we did a show on Mark Fidrich. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, Mark Fidrich, the happy-go-lucky, strange, wonderful spirit, Compared to, you know, this guy that grew up in poverty and with gangsters and spent time in prison and was addicted to drugs. Just really contradict each other, but they became good friends and and teammates. Well, Ron's story became a big hit. Obviously, it was a big topic of conversation around baseball. So big, in fact, that it was made into a movie of the week on ABC. It was called One in a Million. And LeVar Burton played Ron LaFleur. Perfect. Yeah. Billy Martin, also in the movie. He played himself. He's like, nobody is going to play me. I'm in the movie. (laughs) This made-for-TV movie debuted in 1978. He is still in the middle of his career at this point, but he was starting to struggle with addiction again. He got in with the wrong crowd. He was going to be a free agent in two years. And everything kind of came crashing down on him because of all this pressure. He starts to be a good player. He gets back into addiction. He's got a movie of the week with the host of Reading Rainbow playing him on prime time on, on, on national TV. So everything is really starting to, the weight of the world is starting to, to come in on his shoulders. The Tigers became wary of the company that LaFleur was starting to keep. He surrounded himself with some people with ties to the mob again. He even brought some of these guys into the clubhouse on occasion. So the team hired a private eye to tail Ron when he was outside of the stadium, and they found he spent a good deal of time with a guy named Frank Usher. Not to be confused with Usher. Right, Usher. Yeah, this usher was mobbed up and led a ruthless arm of the Detroit Mafia, dubbed Murder Row. <laughs> not not Murderer's Ooh. Row, the, the St. Louis Cardinals. This is just Murder right. Row. Not super unique. These are, these are, though, like hardened, straight-up Detroit Mafia tough guys. I mean, this, these are not guys to fool around with. A full-out gang war erupted in the city. Members of Murder Row were, well, murdered in really awful ways. Their families were even targeted and killed. Usher was arrested and jailed for his involvement in retaliation to these crimes. The Tigers eventually hired Sparky Anderson, to helm the club at the end of the 79 season. Sparky did not like what he saw from LaFleur. With his input and the findings from the private investigator, LaFleur was officially put on the block. A a dinner meeting with the Expos saw a deal made where LaFleur was sent to Montreal for the final year of his contract. The public, not really knowing what was going on off the field, was irate. LaFleur was a very popular player. This redemption story, movie of the week, he's an all-star, but people just, you know, fans didn't know what was going on in the background. So a feel-good story, ex-con making good on the diamond, seemingly traded in the prime of his contract for an unproven pitcher by the name of Dan Schatzader, whose name is just as hard to pronounce as you would expect it. Dan eventually went on to pitch for 15 years in the big leagues, but he is... He's a common, if we're talking baseball card terms. He was a rookie at that point, never really went on to be anything that you would think should be traded. It's kind of like Pickles Dill Hoffer for Grover Cleveland Alexander type situation. 
Don Schatzer was around for a while. 15 years. But, oh, yeah, but yeah. it just wasn't, you, he was, it was not something you're going to trade an all-star for straight up. No, no, I agree. So Ron had a great year with the Expos. He had a 337 on on-base percentage, led the league in steals with 97, becoming the first player to ever lead both leagues in stolen bases. Even though he was out of the Motor City, he continued his lifestyle as if he was still there. He was alleged to be seen snorting cocaine in the clubhouse and even shooting heroin. Somebody who did not escape seeing this was a young up-and-coming future Hall of Famer named Tim Raines. Tim Raines, who famously claimed that the reason he did not slide headfirst when stealing bases was so that he wouldn't break the vial of cocaine he kept in his back pocket. Yes. After the season, the Expos were ready to end the Ron LaFleur experience. They did not offer him a contract, and LaFleur hit the free agent market for the first time. The White Sox, knowing what was being said about LaFleur, signed him anyway to a three-year contract. It did not go well there. Uh, Ron did not get along with manager Tony La Russa. He didn't play well. He couldn't stay in the lineup. And after 82 games, he was arrested for drug and gun possession. So the Sox wow. cut LaFleur loose with a year and a half remaining on his contract. After being cut, they also found out that LaFleur was actually three years older than he had claimed. He was, in fact, <laughs> 35 and not 32, maybe helping to explain the rapid decline in his physical abilities. Yeah, yeah. So the floor was poison after that. Nobody would sign him. Despite multiple attempts, nobody wanted to touch him. They wouldn't even give him a minor league deal. Ron eventually found work as a baggage handler for Eastern Airlines, just removed from being an all-star a couple of years earlier in the big leagues in the toast of the town, with, of course, the ABC movie of the week. He attended Joe Brinkman's umpiring school down in Florida, where if you placed high enough in the school, they would place you in the minor leagues with an umpiring job. So he hoped that, you know, maybe he would do well there and could get back into the game that way. He did not. He was not offered a job. We've talked about the Senior Professional Baseball League several times because we both are big fans of that. You remember Ron LaFleur played in the Senior Professional Baseball League. He played for a couple of teams, the St. Petersburg Pelicans, the Brinton Explorers, and the Florida Tropics before the league folded. He hit well over 300 each season, and he continued to try to get back into the game, managing several independent teams, even selling baseball products that he developed, but just never found a foothold. Things went from bad to worse. LaFleur lost an infant to sudden infant death syndrome. He faced more mm. drug charges. He was arrested for lack of child support. One of these times was immediately after he attended a ceremony at Tiger Stadium for the final game. They, uh, they knew he was going to be there because they announced all these former players were coming back for the final game. They showed up and he said, listen, I will go peacefully. Just let me take place in the ceremony and then you can take me away. So they let him go out there on the field. He was announced. Then he came off the field. They put him in handcuffs and took him off to jail. Uh, to add to the tragic tale, LaFleur had to have his right leg amputated because of a vascular disease complication. Ron is actually still kicking around in Florida. He's getting by on a small pension from MLB. And, um, you know, hopefully he can find some peace as he lives out the rest of his life down in Florida. And that is the story of a kid who went from stealing money at gunpoint to stealing bases in the big leagues in Ron LeFleur. Very interesting. You know, I, I remember him from when I was little. But I didn't know a whole lot about him, so thanks for doing that. It's weird because this is the kind of thing you usually talk about because it ends in yeah. essentially some tragic yeah. uh, circumstances. But I'm the tragedy guy, yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> definitely are. But there he is, Ron LaFleur. So that is the uh, that's it for the the f we've gotten through the starting pitching. I think I think Wax Packs Heroes is kind of like we've we've hit the bullpen. We're looking at the actually the back end of the bullpen here in terms of the show. So we are going to uh, jump into the segment that we like to call, and so we do, Wax Packs Hero. Gotta pull a Wax Pack Hero! Stars in his eyes! Hero! On the podcast tonight! Last week, I came up with a big win. I let you choose the pack, and then I stole that pack, and it paid off. 
Yes, it was, it was <laughs> odd, but okay. Very <laughs> uh, good strategy. Yeah, and and uh, I don't know that we're going to stray away from that this week, so maybe that'll mm-hmm. play into your strategy. But uh, let us, before we jump into this, let's go over the rules of Wax Packs Heroes in case you are a first-time listener. I've got two packs this week of 1988 Fleer. We're going to open them both. We are using a Beckett baseball card monthly from May of 1992. We've got a couple of extra rules that we will add some value to these cards. If any of these uh, any of these uh, stipulations are met, one, if you are sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra cent. If you are sporting a mustache along the lines of Tom Selleck Magnum P.I.-esque, you will get an extra cent so you can have a two-cent mustache. If you are wearing real stirrups and we can see them, you're going to get an extra cent for that as well. If you are wearing glasses of any sort, mainly at this point of time, it's those big science teacher glasses that cover half your face. You're going to get an extra cent. Sunglasses, though, will get you the same. If you are wearing a sweatband, a MIMS band that has your caricature or your jersey number on it, you're going to get an extra cent. And if you are a Hall of Famer, you're going to get an extra five cents. But there is a downside. If you are wearing two-in-one stirrups, we're going to take a cent away because that is just wrong. Uh, if you are wearing high-top baseball shoes, uh, we're going to take a cent away because we don't like that. No. Uh, if you are wearing high-top baseball shoes and two-in-one stirrups, we're going to take an extra cent away because that is an awful, awful look. Don't you should do be it. Dragged, dragged off the field by the baseball fashion police if yeah, you pull that. We will report you. So that is, uh, there are ways to lose money, and those are they. So let us get ready. Mark, looking at the, uh, the 1988 Fleer set, it is not a particularly attractive set, but as I look in the Beckett, there are many cards in here that are wor- worth well over a dollar, some over $2. We've got a Matt Williams rookie card, two and a half. Uh, we've got the, uh, I mean, every set has a Greg Jeffries rookie card that's worth over a dollar. We've got a Bo Jackson card in here. We have mm. got a uh, Tom Glavin rookie card and a Ron Gant rookie card that's worth $4. So that's your Ooh. big money There's card. Right there. Yeah. We've also got a Mark Grace and a Darren Jackson rookie card that's worth $2. So there is a, there is a chance here to to score some big money cards here. And, uh, and come away with the win. If we look at the leaderboard right now, we are into the new season. Mark, you are up three games to two. And uh, I am going to... Here's what I'm going to do, because I, I stole your pack last week. I'm going to let you... You can either choose the pack, or you can let me choose the pack, and then you can choose to steal it. <laughs> you know, this, is, this, is, this game is 100% pure strategy and skill. Um, I'll, I'll choose the pack, and you can decide if you want to steal it. I'll take the one on the right. The one on the right. Okay. I'm going to steal it because it worked <laughs> It worked well last week. Uh, I'll let you decide then. Do you want to go first or last? I'll go first. I'll I, go first. I wanted to throw in one proviso, my friend. Okay. Uh, 88 Fleer is where my friend Brian had his only Major League Baseball card. So if you pull a Brian Dorset, 10 cents extra. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So here we go. going to open it up again. Really feels like this has been open before. All right, we've got a uh, Boston Red Sox sticker. I'm going to just file that in the circular uh, cabinet over there. And uh, we're going to get started, and you're going to get started with a guy that I am i don't remember, but he he looks like a 1980s New York Mets pitcher. He's got a bushy mustache, not quite Magnum-esque, but it is Greg. No, I'm sorry. Check that. Gene Walker. I have no memory of Gene Walker. Um. Gene, it's not a good name for a pitcher. Gene Walker. Uh, yeah, I, I I believe this has got to be a rookie card, right? Because he is not. Uh, well, he pitched in 87. There is no uh, no mention of a Gene Walker in 87 on uh, baseball reference. So huh. he maybe uh, never made it. Well, he pitched. It says in 87 he pitched a couple of games. He pitched in 21 games for the Mets. Huh. But uh, looking at Beckett, I'm going to guess there's nothing there. You do get one cent, though, because he's got that, that mustachio there. So you're on the board. Right on. All right, next we've got third baseman for the California Angels. He's wearing real stirrups, which is good to see. It is Jack Howell. Good old Jack Howell. Yeah, and, and looking sharp out there, as always. Yeah, this is a great card because he it, it looks like he might be caught in a rundown at this point, and he's looking over his shoulder, and he's... It's almost like he's scared. 
He's running scared here, uh, but he is showing some real stirrups. Jack Howell played most of his career in California, nine years of his 11 years. He appeared in California, Angels Colors. Um, but no value by Beckett. That'll get you one cent, though, for those real stirrups. So you're at two cents. Next, we mentioned this guy in our trivia question. He was one of those catchers that got stolen on quite a bit by uh, by Ricky Henderson. It is catcher here for the Philadelphia Phillies, Lance Parrish. Oh, yes. The Parrish boys. So no value in Beckett, but he does have that mustache. So you're going to get one cent there. Um, Lance Parrish, not to be confused with Lance Painter, who was a pitcher. But uh, Lance Parrish, my gosh, 19 years in the big leagues as a backstop. Man. That's impressive. Ten years in Detroit, and then uh, scattered about elsewhere. Uh, he was he was on that '84 Detroit uh, World Series team, though, and an eight-time oh. All Star. He had a good career. Wow, I guess. Uh, all right, so you get uh, one cent for the mustache. You you are consistent here. You're averaging one cent per card. Next, we have got a superstar special card. So. Well, I'm Ooh. I'm curious to see what this uh, how this one I plays like special out. Special cards, man. It is uh, Dave Rigetti and Dan Plesac, and this is taken at the All Star Game, which was in Oakland, and I can see that because I see the Oakland Coliseum in the background, and they're both wearing home jerseys, which tells me it's an All Star Game. Killer closers. Uh, now the question is: Is this worth anything? And the answer is no. <laughs> There's <laughs> no value. Not, they're both clean shaven, and uh, I can't see their uh, I can't see their feet, so no value there. Burn that card, man. All right. Next is a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, a lefty, Greg Matthews. He's got a band, right? Oh, oh. oh the Greg Matthews band. Yes, they open yeah. for the Dave Matthews band quite often. I get where you're going. Oh, there. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, Greg Matthews uh, pitched for the Cardinals for four years and the Phillies for one. But uh, that's, uh, that's about it to... Uh, about it for greg matthews not not a whole lot going on there for uh for him no mustache no value at all for you there next pitcher yeah this this pack i think i made the right choice again Uh, yeah this pitcher here pictured with the yankees i think i remember him mainly with the rangers it is pitcher brad arnsberg man you're pulling a lot of guys i don't recall (laughs) i I definitely (laughs) remember his name let's see if i can uh if if he did he actually pitch for the Tigers? Yes. He pitched for the Tigers for three years and uh, pitched okay. Oh, he had a 2-1-5 ERA in 53 games in 1990. Not bad. But uh, no value here. No uh, no value in Beckett, even though this is his rookie card and uh, can't see his feet. Mm. So here, this is going to be your biggest money card to date because he's got a mustache and a beard and... He also uh, has real stirrups that I can see. It is catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's down in his squat. It's Junior Ortiz. Oh, wow. Not to Junior be confused Ortiz. with Senior Ortiz. Right, who's much bigger. Wow, I'm, I, I made a few points there, but I'm really not fielding an all-star team so far. Yeah, you're, you're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I picked your card. You've got a couple, yeah, you've got a couple of catchers, though. So you've got, you know, Ortiz can back up Parrish. Uh, no value from Beckett, but you will get the two cents there. Ortiz actually played for 13 years hmm. for, for a good number of teams. But uh, that brings you up to five cents, my friend. But you do have your first Hall of Famer. Yay. It is a guy with a nickname that, oh, I should also mention that Junior Ortiz uh, wore the number zero for four teams. Uh, no doubt because his last name starts with an O. We've right. talked about that choice many times. Uh, but here you go. You've got a Hall of Famer. Uh, he actually just retired from the booth. He's been a color guy for the Minnesota Twins and actually retired in the middle of the playoffs from broadcasting this year. It is Burt B. Home Blylevin or the Bert Frying Blylevin. Dutchman. Yes, a uh, fantastic pitcher. Yeah. So uh, good news for you. This card is worth three cents. He's got a mustache yeah. and a, he's a Hall of Famer. So that is a nine cent card for you right there. Well, right now I need is a Ron Gant. Yeah. So you're up to 14 cents. Next, you've got an all-star team uh, card. Yeah, I guess just meaning he was a member of the all-star team this year. It is second baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. He has got a great jerry curl going on here. Oh, Juan Samuel. Juan Samuel. I always kind of liked that guy. I did, too. 
I thought he yeah. always looked good in his uniform. Maybe that's he did. why. He was, he was a slick fielder. <laughs> you know, he had a little bit of pop. It was fun to watch. Yeah. So, unfortunately, though, this, uh, the All-Star, I, are, are these these All-Star, it's uh, 10 of 12. They are not listed in Beckett's. So, uh, no value there. I, he does have a real mustache. You're going to get one cent there. But All-Star cards are not listed in this set here. So... Well, they're probably they're, just not worth anything. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're generally not worth anything anyway. Uh, next, we've got pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, lefty, real stirrup. So you got that going here, Dennis Rasmussen. Dennis Rasmussen. Um, and I remember the name, but I, I'm not. I'm low on specifics here. I let's see. I don't remember him from the Reds so much. He played for the Yankees and the Padres quite a bit. That's probably where oh, you would I remember, remember him from him. the Padres. Yeah, yeah. So he was a big, tall lefty, six seven, two thirty. Yeah, nice. one, one of the taller players, but uh, nothing uh, nothing from Beckett. You do get the one cent for the real strips. That's 16 cents. Next outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays, Rick Leach. Rick Leach. Yeah, he he played for a good while. Then he was, uh, was he a starter or a fourth outfielder? Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a fourth outfielder. Let's see here. He played, he played for 10 years, uh, most of it, half of it with Toronto. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely a fourth or fifth outfielder. 110 was his high of games played but um no value oh he's got oh wow you might get a you might get a two center that mustache is taking up his entire upper lip beautiful so i'm gonna give you two cents on that that'll bring you up to 18 cents now with mr selick bonus baby yeah with mr rick leach he was a number one draft pick by the tigers in 1979 Uh, he was drafted by the phillies two years well twice before that in the 11th round and the 24th round and elected not to sign. And then the Tigers took him as their number one, the 13th overall pick in 1979. So there you go. Oh boy. This is a good one. One of our, one of our favorites. You're definitely <laughs> going to get a mustache sent here. It is one, Mr. Steven Balboni. Oh, bye-bye Balboni. Yes. Bye-bye oh, Balboni. Man. Here he is with the Royals here. <laughs> who do you who do you associate Steve Balboni with the most? The Mariners, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think of him as a Royal. He spent so he spent five years or not a Royal as a Yankee. I'm I'm looking at his stats. Yeah, now. Uh, five years with the Royals, five years with the Yankees, and then one with the Rangers, one with the Mariners. But uh, led the league in strikeouts with 166, which seemed like a lot back in 1985. Now. <laughs> You're probably winning a batting title with that many strikeouts. <laughs> but man, the, the, the power numbers 28, 36, 29, 24, 23. Yeah. I mean, he had a huge bat. He was he also the ball out of the park. He was also a big guy, 6'3, 225. Stephen Charles Balboni. My, uh, you know, my buddy Todd Burns that pitched for your A's. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he told me a story once where he threw a curveball and it plunked Balboni on accident. Balboni started, you know, complaining about it. What, and Todd said, you know what? Why don't you get back in the box and I'll show you what a fastball feels like. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to mess with Steve Valboni, but Todd Burns uh, not afraid. That's right. All right, so you get one cent there for the mustache here at nineteen cents. Next, uh, you got three cards left here. Your uh, this one here is a pitcher for the Cardinals. Another beautiful mustache he's got going on there. Probably not a two center, but a good one. Todd Worrell. Todd, we are the Worrell. Hmm. Okay, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> well, that's a good ball player. Yeah, he led the league in saves his second year in the big leagues in 1986. He had 36. He also led it his second to last year in 1996 with 44. Uh, nice. Pretty good career. He had 256 saves, uh, 11 wow. years. Not bad. He was, uh, nice. oh, he was rookie of the year in 1986, too. I did not know that. Three-time All-Star and a Rolaids relief winner. We talked about the Rolaids thing. Yeah, that's the that's when you get the fire helmet. That's, that's what right. you want. Uh, he was a first-round draft pick as well by the Cardinals in 1982. But uh, only one cent there uh, for the mustache. So that will bring you up to an even 20 cents. You've got two cards left. This guy. Ron Gant. <laughs> Uh, so this guy, a member of the Red Sox here, I think he was a member of the Red Sox and the Mets, probably most of his career. Calvin Chiraldi. Oh man. Calvin Chiraldi in the 86, uh, world series, how they rode that poor kid. 
Yeah, he, Calvin. Yeah, which is tough for him because he he came up with the Mets in '84 and '85, and then he was he was he traded to the uh, traded to the uh, yeah he was traded with Wes Gardner uh, for a couple of minor leaguers and Bobby Ojeda, uh, and ended up on the uh, on the Red Sox. So he went from the winning side to the losing side and on the wrong year. Yes. But yeah, and he, he had a bit of a rough time. He had a great year that year, though, in the yeah, regular I mean, season. Yeah. He had 141 ERA in in 25 games as a middle reliever. Yeah. This is one of those guys that the fans singled out that they wanted to be, you know, jerks to. Yeah, well, it's so. easy It's easy to chant Calvin, Calvin. Right. Uh, no value, though, from uh, from any in, in any way, shape, or form there, unfortunately. Just another insult to Calvin Chiraldi. Yep. No value. So our final card of your pack is, and I say this every week, it wouldn't be a Wax Packs hero if we did not draw a Bryn Smith card. Hey, there he is. Montreal, <laughs> I oh, uh, but you know, you're you going to bushy beard. Oh yeah. You got one point there. Cause he has got a big grizzly ginger beard going on there. And you know what? I'm going to give you two cents for it. Cause it's, it's Bryn's it's a Bryn beard. It's big. It's bushy. It's ginger. <laughs> Um, it's funny because that's all I remember about him. Yeah, that, well, I mean, and his name's Bryn, which is kind of fun to say. But uh, 13 years in the big leagues, finished with a 108 94 mark, uh, 3.53 ERA, not bad. Kind of, uh, most of that came from his early years. He started to struggle as he went down the stretch there. But Bryn Smith, so that will bring your total, my friend, to 22 cents. Not, not <laughs> probably a great score. I'm just going to that say that's that. That's one of my lowest scores ever. Yeah. I'm just, I'm off my game, man. <laughs> well, again, you didn't choose that pack. You chose the pack that's I'm true. opening now. And I, to... because I have the packs here and you're not here and I'm the commissioner, uh, I've opted to I, switch I them up. I got to come up with a, a strategy to counter your strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I got a couple of stickers. I got uh, Yankees and Padres. So uh, I mean, it's like, how is 50% okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, this is a good card to start out with. One, because it's two cents right off the bat. Actually, you know what? It's three cents right off the bat because that's a, that's a, that's a GD good mustache he's got going on there. And he's got science teacher glasses. And uh, also, uh, Frank Costanza has no idea why this guy was uh, all they got for, for Jay Buhner. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Uh, it's Mr. Ken Phelps from the Seattle Mariners at this point. Yeah. Left-handed power hitter. Yeah, Ken Phelps. Uh, I, I'm excited. I think he's our first science teacher sunglass bonus. Nice. But uh, Ken we'll Phelps. In the record books. Yeah, Ken Phelps was on the A's in 1989, so he does have a World Series ring. Let's see. He, he, he came from New York in 89 uh, for Scott Holcomb, minor leaguer. Hmm. That's it. But there it is in 1988, traded by the Mariners to the New York Yankees. For Jay Buhner and a minor leaguer that I've never heard of, along with Troy Evers. <laughs> one, or, of the, or Evers one of the best know. pickups in Mariner history, for sure. Yeah. Nicknamed Digger. Yes. I didn't know that one. Nicknamed Digger. Yes. Uh, two, cents, two cents there for Ken Phelps. Next, uh, first baseman for the San Francisco Hayantes, it is Harry Spillman. Harry Spillman. Harry Spillman, uh, not to be confused with Harry Spiderman. Governor of Washington? He was governor of Washington, I think. Oh, well, this uh, Harry Spillman actually played for the Giants. He actually had a 12-year major league career. Uh, he has got absolutely zero value in any of our rules here, which is unfortunate. But uh, there you go. Uh, actually pitched for 12 years for a handful of teams. Cousin of Greg Walker. Huh. I don't remember Greg Walker. But uh, he played for the White Sox, apparently, first baseman DH type. Uh, no value there for me. We'll move on to the next one. Oh, this is a should-be Hall of Famer. But unfortunately, that doesn't get me any points. It is Mr. Lou Whitaker, second baseman for the Detroit Tigers. Oh, Tigers-ish. man. Sweet Lou. One of my favorites. Uh, did they call him Sweet Lou? Or was that just reserved for Lou Pinella at this point? I, well, I don't know. My buddies always called him Sweet Lou. But uh, they might oh, have made yeah, it there. Up. No, there it is in baseball reference. Sweet Lou. Lou, of course, played all 19 years of his career with one team, with the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Rookie of the Year in 1978, five-time All-Star. He, likewise, was on that 84 uh, World Series team, won a couple of gold gloves. Just a steady Eddie second baseman, 
you know, a decent batter, 276, 363, 426 slash line. Not a whole lot of power. He got into the, actually, you know what? He got into the 20s he did. several times. He, hit 240. He for power uh, later on because I had him in strat. He would hit a few home runs for me. Yeah, he stole also 143 bases. So just an athlete and a, just a darn good player. They don't make him like Lou anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know. I think he might have a tough time getting in on the, uh, on the well, the Veterans Committee. If you've got people there that like you, you're going to get in. I, I don't know. I mean, he is just, he's an absolute rock for a team for almost two decades. It's just yeah, impressive. exactly. You didn't have to think about second base for two decades. Yeah, and, and he and Trammell turn in the double plays. It's mm-hmm. just great. Amazing stuff. All right, next, uh, as I said, unfortunately, no value anywhere for Lou Whitaker for me, so I am stuck at two cents. Next infielder for the San Diego Padres, it is Luis Salazar. Oh, yeah. Luis Salazar. Yeah, I remember Um, him. Uh, He's got a good mustache here. I can only see it from the side, so I'm not going to give myself two cents for it. I think if it was straight on, it might be a two-center. Was he a relief pitcher? No, middle infielder. Yeah, I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, actually, you know, I, I don't even want to say middle infielder. If you look here on his positions, uh, this is one. This is the 1988 season. Seven, six, five, DH, four, eight, nine, three. <laughs> the the only oh, thing man. missing there is a one. He did not yep. pitch. And it does not look like. Oh, he did pitch in 87, though. He got into two games as a pitcher. I mean, that guy played wow. everywhere. 13 years in the big leagues. Yeah, boy, look at his defensive thing. I got to scroll through that for about 20 minutes because he played everywhere. Uh, he was traded at one point for Kurt Bavakwa, so he's got that going for him. Yes. And uh, he was also traded with Ozzie Gian by the Padres to the Chicago White Sox. And get this, he was also traded for Calvin Schiraldi, who we saw earlier. And Wax Packs Heroes has come full circle. Yep, there you go. Uh, nothing there except for that mustache, so that'll bring me up to three cents. Uh, next card is outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. We've had him several times before, Lee Lacey. Yes, we've, we've pulled Lee Lacey a few times, and if he uh, keeps the same uh, price as he has on his other cards, you're not going to be happy. Yeah, no, not much to talk about there. He had a decent career, 16 years. Uh, he was a member of the uh, Pirates We Are Family team, though, in 79, won a World Series with them. So, well, that's fun. That's good for him, but uh, he's got a mustache. That's all I'm going to get out of that. So I'm up to four cents. Next, we've got pitcher for the for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Brad Havens. Man, uh, actually, I kind of I remember him, but I think I remember him from the Albuquerque Dukes. Well, possibly, because I'm guessing he probably spent more time in the minors than he did in the big leagues. Uh, he did have eight official years in the big leagues, um, 205 games. Huh. I don't remember. I don't remember anything about him, to be honest. Let's see. Did he? Uh, he pitched, he was in Albuquerque in 1987. Yep, there you go. I was a fan back then, not a not a clubhouse guy yet. Uh, no value, though, anywhere for that one. Uh, I draw this guy every time, and uh, I'm always disappointed with the value I get from him because he's my favorite pitcher of all time. It is smoke, Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. Every time I say it, an amazing pitcher. Yep, but uh, one of my favorites. every time I get one cent only for the mustache because his cards just aren't worth anything. But yeah. uh, we won't go. We've gone through Dave Stewart's career many times, so we'll we'll move on. But Dave, I love you, man. Uh, next, I'll, I'll, I'll put this card aside because I put all of these cards aside and uh, I'm going to send them to the guy that collects this card, this guy's cards and only this guy's cards. It is third baseman for the Montreal Expos, Tim Wallach. Uh, yes, you've mentioned the Tim Wallach collector. <laughs> he does not just collect Tim Wallach. He collects every Tim Wallach in existence. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. It, it is. Uh, Tim Wallach, uh, actually a three-time Gold Glove winner, five-time All-Star. Did you know that he was a five-time All-Star? I, I had no idea. No, I, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew he was a solid baseball player. but Yeah, so uh, he was a first-round draft pick as well by the Expos. Uh, Tim Wallach led the league in doubles twice. He had 42 in 87 and 89. Uh, also wow. led the league in grounding into double plays and being hit by a pitch. But, uh, you know, he is, uh, I know right now, he is uh, father of the catcher for the Miami Marlins, Chad Wallach, who I've there been watching go. during the playoffs here. So a little connection there. No value anywhere, though. So not cool. Uh, next, 
we have got a, it's weird because uh, this is a card that I remember and I mentioned it earlier. I'm not sure how much value it has though, but I have pulled Mr. Bo Jackson. Oh, oh, this could be the win. And it's over, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> Drive home safely. Mr. Bo Jackson, uh, Beckett has listed as a $1.25. Bo goes deep. Bo just took that one out of the ballpark. Uh, just let me say it, man. Bo knows wax pack Bo heroes. Bo knows wax pack heroes. Remember, this was the pack that you chose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really bothering me now. <laughs> so, Bo, yeah, that's a buck 25. He does not have a mustache in this picture, which is weird. Um, but it is worth a dollar 25, so that brings me up to 130 and I've just blown you out of the water. Uh, Bo, of course, an eight-year big league career. The Royals, most of it. The White Sox for two, and then one unforgettable, uh, unforgettable, and one forgettable year with the California Angels in in uh, 1994. How many home runs do you think Bo re, uh, finished with over eight years? 250. No, not that much, but uh, 141. 700. Uh, you're getting warmer. Uh, he did lead the league in strikeouts one year with 172. That was the year he was an All Star. Of course, he hit that mammoth shot that was the the all-star year in 89 at california uh just straight away center field uh Bo oh yeah. yeah he smoked that pitch kind of made a legend of himself yeah yeah he hit that one well all right next uh, we'll go through these now just i'm just gonna pile it on now uh pitcher for the cincinnati reds frank williams no clue i i am unfamiliar with frank as well no value nothing nothing going on we're gonna ignore you frank he wore number 42, though. Got in before that was uh, his grandfathered in. Uh, yes. Next, the governor. I've told you this guy's nickname, and you never remember who it is. Jerry Brown. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> you're, you're finally starting to retain information. <laughs> <laughs> that That's meant with love. Uh, Jerry no, Brown, sure. you are absolutely correct. The governor. He's got a great mustache here. Here he is with the Rangers. He played for 10 years. Um, no value on the card though, but I will get the one cent for the, uh, for the mustache. Now I also mentioned another card that was worth quite a bit of money in this pack. Oh man, you're, you're going to rub my face in it. Yeah. So, I mean, we get excited whenever we pull a Greg Jeffries card. <laughs> so get ready to get excited because I have just pulled another Greg Jeffries card. <laughs> Greg oh, Jeffries That is worth a dollar 25. All right. <laughs> I, I didn't even show up. No, <laughs> that'll bring my total up to $2.51, which last time I checked was greater than 22 cents. So now we're just yeah. burying you. Uh, yeah. Next, we've got, uh, we've mentioned this before because he's one of our favorite players and one of our only players to hail from Kingston, Jamaica, man. It is Devon White. Devo. Dio's going to get me two cents at least because he's got the mustache and he's got the real stirrups. He's squaring to bunt here uh, at Old Comiskey Park. So that's kind of a kind of a nice card. Wow. And that's actually worth seven cents in Beckett. So that's a nine cent card. That'll bring me up to two dollars and sixty cents. I've got two cards left here. First, we're going to start with outfielder for the Philadelphia Phillies. It is Chris James. I like all his comments. Yeah, he was good in King of Queens. Uh, I enjoyed him uh, there. Jeff, Jeff, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wait, I'm getting things mixed up. You know, Chris James is the baseball player. Uh, that All is right. worth nothing on Beckett, but he's got a mustache. So we'll tack on an extra cent just for fun. And then my final card, uh, sporting a mustache, it is a second baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. And this is a rookie card, so we'll see what it's worth. Nelson Liriano. Oh, yeah. Not worth anything in Beckett. How is Nelson Liriano rookie card not worth a couple cents? Yeah, come on. Uh, Nelson Liriano, though, let's see. He played uh, well, he played for 11 years, most of it with Toronto. Well, actually, he was only there for four years. And uh, left before they won the World Series. But, uh, you know, he was a solid middle infielder, Nelson Liriano. Traded for the Candyman, John Candelaria, at one point. <laughs> But uh, that'll give me one cent for the mustache and take me up to 262. So now I uh, did go to a Pac-12 school. Uh, shout out to Washington State. Math is not my strong suit. Let me crunch the numbers here real quickly. Um, yeah, one of those hand calculator things that goes. There you go. 
uh, and just running that through our program here. Let me check with the accounting department. Yeah, so I have come out on top here. The final score to even the series this year at three to three, uh, I had a $2.62 pack. Yours was a 22 cent pack. So now, see, you know what? Next time uh, that, that you have me pick a pack, you're not going to know if I'm picking my pack or your pack, okay? You don't know. I'm going to put the Trace Buster Busta on you, and you're not going to know if I'm going to switch up the packs or not. Well, that's true. So we have developed a strategy, we, and it's really <laughs> lame. <laughs> so there you have it for Wax Max Heroes. Let's start to wrap up the show. We'll start it off by thanking all of our listeners. As always, we really do appreciate it. We like to get emails from you. We like to get the DMs on social media or tag us. Uh, if you retweet or do any of that kind of stuff of our shows, we certainly do appreciate it. If you wanted to leave us a review, we appreciate that as well. We are, as mentioned, on the social medias. We are on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. You can also find us on uh, YouTube. Uh, just search for Two Strike Noise. That again is T W O Strike Noise. Mark, our electronic email boxes are working beautifully. Do you want to tell people how they can slip something in there? Sure. Feel free to email us at Two Strike Noise. Spell out the two T W O Strike Noise at gmail.com. All right, so uh, that'll do it for this week's show. Mark, I have, uh, I've given up asking if you're going to be here next week. I've given up on trying to shake you, know, shake you and lose you. You're here for good. You're here to stay. So uh, yeah. I will see you as well next week on our next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.